Welcome to This Academic Life, Episode 17. This podcast is brought to you by local sponsors and listeners like yourself. If you're interested in sponsorship, then please contact us at sponsor at thisacademiclife.org. Hi, I'm Kimichelle Lewis, Associate Dean of Research and Professor of Physics. Hi, I'm Panya Newell, an Assistant Professor in Mechanical Engineering. Hi, I'm Lucy Zhang. I'm a professor in mechanical engineering. Graduate school can be exciting and yet stressful for a graduate student. For myself, the excitement came from all the friends I have made, work ethics I have learned and developed, the excitement of being independent in general. It was a tremendous life experience that I enjoyed very much. However, PhD study can be a long drawing process. For many of us in STEM fields, it typically goes somewhere between four to six years. There was constant stress, the feeling of constantly getting lost in setting and reaching my goals. The stress of working, quote unquote, working for my advisor. However, looking back, despite it all, those years are still the best time of my life. So today we'll be talking with a couple of PhD students who are a married couple, Pono and his wife Priscilla Delgado Wong. Welcome Pono and Priscilla to our show. We're excited to talk about some of the challenges and excitements that you are going through as graduate students. Hi, yeah, uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Wonderful. So before we get started and talking about graduate school. Can you give us a little bit uh, of your background, where you did your undergrad and how you end up being in your current place? I am from Arizona. I only went to my state school, so I stayed in Arizona State. During my time there, I was a biomedical engineering major. I really fell in love with the field and being able to help people through science. And so from there, I also actually ended up going to UW for my master's degree. I did a one-year program in applied biomedical engineering. I also went to ASU for undergrad, which is where we met. And then I also studied biomedical engineering. And I decided that I was going to go directly from my undergrad to my PhD. So after I graduated from my undergrad, I decided I was going to apply to multiple schools and try to get accepted into at least one. And it just so happened that I was accepted into the Georgia Tech and Emory Joint Program in biomedical engineering here in Atlanta. That's a great program, I know. <laughs> so can you let us know where you are in your PhD studies? Yeah, so I'm currently, I just finished up my first year. So I guess I'm a rising second year and I'm about to take my qualifying exam, which is the first major milestone into your PhD. Yeah, so I'm a rising fourth year and I am well into the thick of the research part of my PhD. So I'm getting ready to do the second milestone of my PhD, which is proposing my thesis, where we just propose the research that we want to do for the foreseeable future. Right. So for many of our programs, we call that candidacy yes. exam. Okay. It is the same. Yes. So I know that this is not very common. So you got married before your PhD studies. Is that right? We actually got married four months ago. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> wow. 
so, you guys are really brave souls. Yeah. <laughs> so that means during the beginning of Pono's graduate study, you were not together. No, we yeah. did long. Yeah, we did long distance for a year. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So you you experienced the two body problem early on in your career. So this is a very common problem or issues that for people who are pursuing higher education because our fields are so selective and it, mm -hmm. you can't really select your job. Usually the job selects you, so you can't really mm -hmm. choose the place as much as other type of jobs. So what about your research area? Are you in the same program or are you in different labs? So we're both in the same BME PhD program. The great thing about it is that it's so big and so wide. So I'm actually in a lab in Emory and Pono's in a lab at Georgia Tech. But we do work on different areas of BME. Yeah, so I actually am studying cardiobiomechanics. Part of my thesis is developing therapies to prolong the progression of heart failure. So I'm specifically looking at ischemic heart failure. So when patients have a heart attack, their hearts begin to remodel. And I'm trying to slow down that progression of remodeling and then help improve the function of the heart. So thank you so much for sharing a little bit about the background of your PhD program. So within this period of time that you both have been graduate students at Georgia Tech, can you tell us a little bit about exciting things that's been happening during your program? Yeah, so... I think, I guess for me, the exciting thing is that I'm actually starting my research well into my research. I'm not in the phase of trying to one, learn all the material, but then also having to learn how to critically think. I mean, I'm always in that phase, but I am now in the phase where I get to actually work with my hands, which I don't do well with like, I have fidgety hands. So it's really nice that I get to move around and I get to actually work with my hands. So that's actually really exciting. And then also one thing that we're both really big on is representation. And so I actually was just elected as the, an e-board member of a club that we have here at Georgia Tech called the Biomedical Engineering Alliance of Minorities. It explains itself. It's just an alliance of minorities that are all in the biomedical engineering program as well as the bioengineering program at Georgia Tech. And so, yeah, that was really exciting. So I'm still kind of currently going through those classes, <laughs> but I mean, it is kind of the pull of why I decided to go for my PhD. Cause I, I remember my master's, I took a look and I held my first microfluidics device and I was like, wow, this is so cool. I wish I could have spent more time learning about this. And so taking that opportunity to be able to just really focus in on something that I really kind of found a passion for has been really great. And I mean, the, <laughs> the preparation process for the qualifying exam is not fun. And the idea of it looming behind me is not fun, but getting to read and really learn and just ask myself all these kind of questions that I think other people might ask me has just been really insightful and really just gotten me to think more deep about my project. So I understand that it's a little bit frustrating, but thank you for sharing the exciting part of it too. So now talking about, I guess, life is not always so good about some of the challenges. What are the challenges that you guys are currently facing? So I guess the biggest challenge for me right now is kind of not burning out because the type of work I do involves me working really long hours and my data analysis can be 
kind of time consuming because it's not the easiest to make. I pretty much have to do it manually. So it does take a while. So there are times when I'll go into lab at like 7 a.m. and I won't leave until midnight. So I guess dealing with the burnout is definitely rough. I think also the other thing is I am pretty far into my PhD. So I've had enough time to work with my advisor. Just the differences in personality with my advisor, it can also sometimes be a challenge, but I mean, that's going to be a challenge with any job you have with your coworker and, or your boss. Um, so yeah. And then I would definitely say imposter syndrome is always looming in the back of my head. <laughs> always wondering if I'm supposed to be here, if I'm smart enough to be here, do I know enough to make this presentation? Have I done enough work to propose my thesis? So yeah, those are kind of the things that I'm struggling with right now. Wow. Yeah, so so many of them, I think they are common ones among many graduate students, even I guess faculty members. But I think it's part of the growth, as Lucy mentioned. So at the time when you look at it, I guess it's frustrating. But later when you pass that phase, when you look at it, it's like, oh, I wouldn't have been here or finishing with a degree and getting wherever you will be without going through that path. So I think it's worth it. So how about you, Persola? I know that you are early on through the program, but you had experience doing a graduate studies as a master's mm-hmm. student. So some of those might also carry on during the PhD program. But yeah, sure. I, think I mentioned some of the challenges and how you are overcoming them. Yeah, so I'm actually currently trying to push out my first author publication. So (laughs) we're trying to do that before I do my qualifying exam to kind of give me a little bit more street credit. (laughs) And so my main issue with it is, so A, the pandemic really hit us hard. And so getting all the training that I needed to get really kind of set me back. And one of the things that has been a recurring issue with me is the equipment failure. So I like, I know theoretically, and reasonably that these experiments are so easy. I should just be able to whip them out, but it's like the scope failed or, okay, it wasn't the scope failing. Now we're going to get a new scope. Oh, okay. We got the new scope, but they set it up wrong. And it's just setback after step, but like technical, just like machinery, the stuff that's just out of my hands. And I mean, at first, before you even realize that that's the issue, you kind of wonder, what was it me? I mean, like, am I just, am I not being able to set it up well enough? And I mean, it's a very easy experiment. I just plug things in and I let it run, (laughs) but why isn't it working? And luckily I have a really great advisor who he tells me, you know, these things just happen. That's just the way science is. So, I mean, sometimes the stars just have to align. You can do everything right, but the microscope's just not going to work sometimes. And just having that be out of my hands, but being okay with the fact that, you know, sometimes these things just happen um, has just really kind of been a learning experience for me. Because, I mean, I thought that, finishing this up would have taken about maybe three months was the original timeline. But with all of the issues that I've had, just getting all the equipment together and making sure that it works well, it's pushed me back for like a year. (laughs) But you know, that's science. If it was easy, we would have had so many cures by now. That is so true. That Mm -hmm. is so true. I did one time talking to one of my colleagues he does experimental work as well. And then he said, whatever you are estimating for an ex- experiment to complete, mm-hmm. you want to at least double the time mm-hmm. for your estimation in terms of uh, getting it done. Is that my dad? Because <laughs> he says the same thing. 
these are all experienced people talking, I guess. I really like that. Hono, you mentioned that trying not to get burned out. That's very, very important thing. I don't think that I even know about the world when I was a graduate student. So, and I'm sure Lucy didn't know about it either. So till recently, probably we started now being mindful. I think mindful. it's a more recent. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really relevant right now because at least so for my lab, we had all these grants and fellowship money that we were given in the year in 2020 and then the pandemic hit the world started falling apart and then basically we came back our lab is really big so we were able to come back early because we were able to ensure that basically everyone in our lab had a larger than 250 square foot radius around them basically so we were able to come back in june but even coming back in june was still so much time that we lost. And so then at that point, we came, like deadlines were starting to come around where we had to give updates on the research that we had done. And obviously the funding parties weren't gonna accept, oh, well, we had COVID. And so then everyone in my lab had to start working overtime so that we could make these deadlines and show that we made progress. And so I think for a lot of people now, everyone is just starting to reach that limit where they're just burning out and they like need a vacation or something to just reset and like refresh themselves, refresh their minds. Yeah, absolutely. We all do. We all do. And we have, that's also takes practice, right? Mm -hmm. And once you realize that you do it and then you actually do take some time off and reflect and refresh. And when you come back, you realize it's actually a meaningful exercise. The next time when it happens, you know what to do. Mm -hmm. So you're no longer blind to that type of situation. So I have a question for the two of you. As you know, as a professor, one of the things that we often do is recruit graduate students into our research program. And one of the challenges is recruiting minority students. You mentioned that earlier that you're part of a student organization. So I want to know what advice would you give to minority graduate students who are considering or currently navigating graduate school? We have four pieces of advice. So I think the first piece of advice is if you are in grad school right now, take advantage of this opportunity because, and this is a piece of advice that my advisor gave me when I first started my PhD. Take advantage of this opportunity to just learn, enjoy your last moments of having the time to just learn. Take advantage of this time to learn the technical skills that you might not have had from your undergrad or your master's. Take advantage of time to, you know, learn different topics because Basically, my advisor is telling me, you know, after your PhD, it's just going to be you going, 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 going. You aren't going to have time to dedicate like an entire semester to just learning a topic. And I think that that is something that I've taken to heart. My second piece of advice would be, especially to, I feel like this is a big issue with minorities. Don't compare yourself. Don't worry about what other people are doing. And I struggle with this so much. I constantly do this, but yeah, don't compare yourself with other people. You're doing just fine. If you think you might want to get a PhD or go to grad school, 
apply. The worst that can happen is they tell you no. And even then, it's not that big of a deal. You've, you'll find a new direction. And then for the people that are in grad school, it's okay if you are a little bit behind or if you feel like you're a little bit behind or if you feel like you don't know enough because everyone feels that way. And I think that that is something that needs to be focused on for grad school programs is students talking to each other because even right now, everyone, we've all been saying, we've been through the same thing, but no one ever thinks that when they're in the moment. And so, yeah, that'd be my second piece of advice. Don't compare yourself. You're doing just fine. Just keep on going. My two pieces of advice would be, so the first one would be for kind of incoming, like just maybe about to begin grad school and you're looking for advisors. I would really just take the time to kind of self-reflect and say like, oh, okay, like what kind of a work-life balance do I want? Is the lab that I'm going into going to have that same kind of work-life balance? Because if not, it could be really kind of detrimental and is probably one of the biggest reasons why we've seen people switch out of their labs. And then the second piece of advice that I would give is to make sure you take time for yourself. It's very hard and very stressful. And I mean, having some kind of outlet and being able to just kind of unplug from all the stresses, I think is very useful in just all parts of life. I mean, from undergrad to my master's to now a PhD, (laughs) I've had to find outlets for all of them and definitely helped with just the coping and, you know, keeping those spirits high. I also had some, I guess, not advice, but a reminder for professors. So the one thing I would remind professors is that for a lot of the students that they're taking on as PhD students, just remember that they're really still just kids. We've only known school. We have no idea what it's like outside in the real world. Well, Priscilla does (laughs) because she has industry experience. But I came in as a 22-year-old into grad school and having no idea what the real world was like. I still don't know what it's like. And so I came in as just a little kid from undergrad who just really wanted to do some experiments and some research. And I think a lot of professors forget that. And they forget that the incoming PhD students don't really know what it's like to be out in the real world. And they don't know the way that we teach students right now. They don't really know how to think critically yet. It's a skill that we need to learn in grad school. That's why we're there is to gain that skill. And so I think that is a important reminder for professors. Just be patient. Remember that they are young. They'll get there but they're not going to get there immediately. It's going to take time. Great. Very nice advice. I feel like you guys have already received your PhD and (laughs) already started on your career path. Well, it leads me to my next question quite nicely, actually, which is what are your long-term plans? Are you considering industry, academia, or some other career plan? Because as you know, That's going to be the next big question that people are going to start asking you. What are you going to do with this degree? When I came into grad school, I was pretty set on going into academia just because I do like the mentoring idea and, and teaching. But now being in the thick of it with research and actually like doing the experiments, I realized that I like doing the experiments more than I like 
writing the documents. And so I know as professors, that's a lot of your time is going to be writing documents. So I'm still leaning towards academia, but if an offer came up for industry, I probably wouldn't be opposed. I definitely would. I would think about it. (laughs) So for me, I went into engineering, always wanting industry. I did my master's. I was going to go straight into industry after my master's. And then I got into industry and I was like, you know what? I want the jobs of those people and all the people in industry that I, whose jobs I wanted, how they all had a PhD. So I'm still kind of set on industry. I kind of like that, at least from the company that I was working with and what I have experience with, there's work-life balance and there's some parts of academia with the paper writing (laughs) that does not really appeal to me. (laughs) But honestly, if I were to do academia, I would probably be one of those professors who had like the startup on the side, you know, just to keep it a little interesting. Wow, you guys are keeping us on our toes. I now have to reconsider my job. <laughs> I love everything that you guys said. I feel like you guys are so mature comparing to when I was a graduate student. I didn't know the answer to any of these questions when I was a graduate student. It's like, well, I don't know. Let me just finish my degree. I'll figure it out. So, we had a but, long conversation about how to answer them. Yeah, that's the only reason why we look so put together. <laughs> we made you think. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I actually forgot about this, but I'm going to shamelessly plug a podcast that my friend and I are starting. It's kind of a passion project just because we need something to balance out our time from being in lab. So what our podcast is about is kind of just anything, (laughs) whatever we feel like talking about for that day. (laughs) But it's called Kim I and I Make a Podcast, and it'll be out in next, the first episode will be airing next month on SoundCloud. Wow, yay! (laughs) Wow, so we should put that in the show notes. Yeah, give us the link. (laughs) Or whatever information you have, we'll put it in. Okay, yeah. Well, we actually started it because my dad told us about your podcast. And <laughs> I was telling my friend about it. And she was saying, I've always wanted to start to do a podcast. And I was like, me too. And so because of that, then we were just like, well, let's just do it while we're in our PhD. And we'll just have it as a little side gig where we just have fun. Absolutely. I love it. I think you will have so much fun. It's going to add a lot of flavors in your life. Thank you so much, Pono and Priscilla. This is such a wonderful conversation. I know we didn't cover everything about graduate student, about graduate life, but as you keep on going in the pro- uh, graduate program, we can always have you back and to talk about Definitely. what more you have known from the last time, from this time, and, and we'll follow you, you know, after you graduate with your PhD, we'll see where you end. Yeah. <laughs> so Thank you, yeah. I look forward to all of your future success. You're going to be so good, both of you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Find us at thisacademiclife.org or follow us on Facebook. You can listen to our latest episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. Please rate us. We welcome any feedback or suggestions for future episodes. Join us next time for the good, bad, and the ugly of this academic life.